there's something beautiful about the emotion we call love. We're on a mission to find out more about how it affects every being. It all starts with perception. What if our perception of the world and its many inhabitants expanded? Every being has a different vantage point. When we truly get to know a soul, we find knowledge. Asking questions with an open mind is how we learn how to relate to one another. When we identify with someone beyond the surface level, we fear less and love more. We're all teachers. Every person on this planet has something impactful to share. This podcast is about expanding our vision and illuminating the threads that bind us together as a community. Simply put, this podcast is about lessons in love that we learn along the way and our journeys to find our true selves. Welcome to Unified Threads. Welcome to episode 04, Where It All Spins Out. In our last episode, called Play, we heard from a volunteer on a Greek island who started a self-directed creative center. Now, her goal was to bring people that were arriving on the island as refugees, volunteers that were there to support them, and the locals together in a space where people could offer their skills, their talents, and create with each other. Today, many moons later, I'm tying that back in with one of my uh, actually newly refound greatest loves, self-directed education. I have spent the winter, spring, and part of the summer immersing myself in learning more about self-directed education. I guess ever since, really, Steph came on in episode 02, Educare, and shared with me some of her thoughts about the education system, as well as the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, or self-directed.org. And since going to self-directed.org, I signed up for their email list. I got an email. They were looking for some help with fundraising, which is actually an area that I have a lot of passion around. And I've been working with them ever since. So this episode features two different perspectives. The first one is going to be from Ilgez, a being who I met at the Agile Learning Center facilitator training in Charlotte, North Carolina in July of this year. Ilgaz is a Turkish native who is now living in Montana and working as an Agile Learning Center facilitator. And she's going to share her experience growing up in Turkey and what that was like and her experience in the school system there and what her motivation is for working in an environment that values self-directed education and prioritizes that first. And then after Ilgaz, we're going to hear from Aiken, a young person I met in Turkey back in 2015. And we're going to hear from him and his experiences traveling the world with his family. Him and I met again in 2017 of um, last year, actually. It was July. And we were swimming together in Oren. And he agreed to share some of what he's seen in his travels when it comes to what we all have in common. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And namaste. Wow. I like it. Hey, yours is like... Oh, 
We are in North Carolina, in Charlotte, in the Agile Learning Center, Mosaic Agile Learning Center. And this is Amy Schroeds and... This is Ilgaz Ulsoy Casey. Now I have a Casey too, since I'm married. <laughs> and you live in Montana, right? Yes, I do live in Montana and I moved there, just a brief maybe. I moved there, like, it's like I was back and forth between Turkey and here, that's why I don't know exactly when, but let's say one and a half years ago. But I spent two long winters in Montana, so I feel like it's been two years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm from Turkey though, and um, this is like my transition to a different culture and different uh, needs and kind of, yeah, all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'll start talking, I feel like I'm going to start just talking about <laughs> everything, and then we will, like, we will uh, uh, distract from the main topic of something, that's why I'm but stopping myself. <laughs> There is no main topic. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's okay. just natural flow. I love talking. I love talking too. So, like, okay. I, I think the part of this is just we let it flow as it goes. Yeah. And like, originally, I was really interested in hearing some more about the the school system in um, mm-hmm. Turkey. But I think to start first with like what you're doing in Montana. Why did you yeah. come here to North Carolina? Actually, why did you even come to the U.S. in the yeah, first place? In the first place. Yeah. Um, it was kind of because of obligations, but. <laughs> But still, um, so the the process yesterday I shared uh, in the Aquila session too, that you know I was always a great student in school and from the like at elementary school you know I already knew how to read and write when I was in first grade, and I guess now I'm, yesterday I was trying to ask those questions and answer them why it was so important to me to be to have the best grades and in school and classroom, but. Actually, my parents were not really like pushing or doing me something. You have to be the best, but I had that instinct. So I'm, but also I'm thinking as a kid, probably it wouldn't be so much like about power relations. I have to be the power, the most powerful person in the classroom, something like that. But initially, I remember how I got interested in, um, like the the math and stuff. It was just a puzzle for me. And I remember before I started school, even just. Um, going to my dad and asking him, like, can you write me some, like, numbers? And then, how do you do adding? And how do you... So he would just write me if, if I am willing to ask him. And uh, he would just write me. Like, even I remember we don't have paper that much, but we had, a, like, a wooden, like, stick. And I started writing letters on the wooden stick from A to Z and, and like, how to pronounce my... how to spell my name and how to spell their name. So it's just... It was just for me like curious, like puzzles, I liked puzzles too in general. So that's how I got interested in. And after uh, starting school, I realized, oh, this community is different. And everybody, every teacher was like, oh, she's already, she knows everything. Maybe she should, maybe she should, she should start from the third grade. <laughs> and I didn't understand any of those conversations. But then start, I started to realize that, oh, I'm honored by my success. But since I want to be honored and I want to be appreciated, I have to get the best grades. Mm-hmm. So it didn't, it wasn't a struggle for me to get the best grades because, you know, it was like, okay, if I'm supposed to do this, I'll just do this. And I liked math. I liked, you know, writing in like Turkish uh, classes. But other than that, I didn't really ask myself, or we didn't really, we were, we were not given that kind of a world, that kind of education system at school. like. Um, we were not encouraged to ask questions, for example, maybe it started changing now in Turkey, but like it was a very embarrassing thing. I was not really willing to ask any questions, talk or 
talk or express myself with my words like in front of everybody because you first had to like raise your hand and then you had to stand up like in front of everybody and then like you have to ask a question and then like sit it's just a lot of like expressing things and um, it was a lot related to my family life which I was so like uh, I was always a calm girl and I was appreciated again because I was such a calm she's not like a kid that was the praise that I was getting all the time and I thought that was a good thing you know like my mom's uh, friends they were like you're like Lucas is just like seven years old but look at mine like she my kid is like all around and jumping on the couches which is a bad behavior but your daughter is so well behaved and she's just so nice and I'm like okay I guess so but other thing also affected my shyness at school or like I was more like when I was given the option to write and express myself with writing that's why my grades were writing was better than like my like I, because I never expressed myself mm-hmm. um, I was so happy that oh okay I can use my words I know how to I know how to write stories and I know I was writing poems stories again these are all elementary school uh, even though I still love writing I don't do it anymore because for example I have a great idea I wake up in the morning you know I saw something in my dream and that inspired something and I start writing a paragraph and it's just great I write a little bit more and then okay good to start okay now I have to give a break and then when I'm back into that thing and I when, when I read it to follow it I'm like this is horrible this is such a cliche idea why did I like it in the very first place I don't like that maybe I should change this paragraph maybe I should change this and then boom it's gone like it's not there anymore mm-hmm. like because I started judging I started suspecting uh, being uh, doubtful about my work um, I'm from jump I'm jumping from one topic to another but back to school um, and relationship to family I always had, now I see it more clearly that I had an, um, I still, I had a hard time to forgive my mom because of that, because she was abusive, but I didn't know, or the people around me, I guess, they were ignorant, I guess, or something, but like physical abuse, and, but she's not, she was not aware of that, because she kind of loses that, uh, whatever her problem, like, uh, you know, with the anger, like, or something. She loses her temper. Exactly. Yeah. Very easily and suddenly. And after she's like calmed down, she's herself. She doesn't remember what she did or what she reacted, how she reacted. So that kind of change, even though I know I'm loved by my, by my mom, but also how a person that loves me that much and I love that much can hurt me. Like, so that kind of like conflict since my childhood is such a big, like the biggest conflict and question. And the same way, like how, um, my bad behaviors, my, my bad behaviors are like the things like my mom's super tidy if I didn't put my thing to back its place or if I don't help my mom with the housework or something. I would, I remember my mom telling to other neighbors like complain about me or she's not really, she doesn't really um, have a saying like the, the work doesn't fit in her hands, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, and, and by that time I'm like, serving the neighbors something like tea or something and like I hear it I'm there and they're talking about me in front of me so that shame you know all the time Mm -hmm. it was always with me throughout my childhood Mm -hmm. so it was always there and uh, so at school like um, school is a different place kind of a liberation for me and 
and since that's why I guess I kind of like held on to that like being successful like also everybody like everybody adored me at school and like every teacher and I was trying to be nice with every friend so I never had a like a just one group of friends that I'm just getting on well even though I didn't like um, I was trying to compromise a lot from myself to get on well with everybody Mm. And even though I didn't like some certain features of that lady, well, I was like, no, I, I don't want her also be left out. Also, um, like I, I can compromise from this. I mean, I want to be friend with everybody. Like that, mm. I was that kind of a person to that, that was, that's why I was loved by my friends too. So always like school is um, in that way in a great social place for me to just really like I was so playful, like funny and everything. But as soon as I was back at home, I was just, just like shut my mouth. Just like accept whatever it is that like I'm the calm person and I'm the smart, but also calm. So that's mm -hmm. the values that, that I was given and I was appreciated with, I, I was associated with. And so I just grabbed it. And my sister who is four years younger than me, uh, she was the crazy one always and she was always treated more like a like little child, you know mm -hmm. So she had that privilege I guess and she was more like my mom like oh no I can't like I mean she was in that way abused my mom too, but not as much as me and um, So she was always the crazy one and they were like amazed by how she's like outside of the the frame like in that way she's not um, fit in any uh, in, in, in any archetype or something and but suddenly in big family too she was just the one like unique one and and I was kind of like I, I, I'm like that too inside or I'm at school I'm the similar person I have you know I'm, I'm funny too I was when I was kid, I, I'm the same I'm happy like I'm happy I'm a, that kind of a kid too but always I accepted my role in the family as just like yeah okay I don't have any problem with my sister being the the, that kind of social girl and like little girls usually doesn't talk that much she just doesn't um, and that the, not talking uh, became like after I got separated my uh, family at the college and I went to Istanbul to study in the university that was the first time I got separated and it was like I want to go somewhere else away from my family even though it was so scary for me mm -hmm. Because I was never given a responsibility to like take care of your niece kind of thing. I would, always my dad was doing everything for us. Mm. So I was just suddenly, oh my gosh, what? Am I gonna get on a bus by myself? I can't. I'm like, you know, I'm 17. No, not 17. I guess 16 years old, but I don't know how to do it. Mm. Those kind of simple things. So it was liberated, and that was the time I I uh, started doing theater too in the student club, mm -hmm. and uh, because I was studying engineering. In the university and so that theater world suddenly like being that shy person always admired theater in a way but never never thought about doing it because you know talent and things and like that like courage to be on the stage never I can never do that but just like trying out like little because they were so friendly people there that were invite, invited me and suddenly I was suddenly okay that's a place that I feel like I'm good at it and also I enjoy doing it. I also discovered uh, a lot about myself because, sorry again, jumping to high school, even though I like doing my homeworks and everything because they were just simple things like, okay, just out of my way, okay, fun too, that's fine. But like history, I hate it because history was for me just to dates that I had to memorize and the acts and like the actions, causes and effects and stuff. 
uh, like wars that happened centuries ago. I was I never understood why do I have to learn this, mm -hmm. and I was just memorized enough to you know uh, get the test. And uh, but in high school, it was the first sudden thing that um, and I was moving a lot too because of my dad's job. He was in the military, so every time a different location, different friends, different school, and. Um, so we were in Cyprus before high school, and in Cyprus the education system was so far from the Turkey. I was I felt like I was so successful there, but like in math or chemistry or something. But in English I I sucked, and the other Cypriots were like way better in English than me. And so I when I moved back to Turkey, my math wasn't as good as the other people because of the two years education in Cyprus. So suddenly I had like like 70, I remember, in, no not 70, like 60 something in math, which is like unbelievable, unacceptable for me, how, I, I, but I couldn't get, the, you know, I didn't understand anything, you know, I was looking, like, what is this, I, how, I'm, how am I not able to understand math, and that on, in the high school process, like, uh, I realized that, do I really want that, but why is it important for me, and uh, I was in a classroom that full of like people that, want to just get on a math school and stuff that they're just like because most of them were poor families kids and they were that's a way to you know save their families to be a doctor and this mm -hmm. that kind of environment in the east part of turkey where the kurdistan region is um so i i started feeling like i'm not i don't belong here so i wish i would do theater or those kind of like artsy things but also i'm in the science, you know, in high school, you had to choose either language, science, or social sciences um, major. And then I was in science because, you know, I science people are smarter people. Sometimes teachers don't even ask you; they put you there. So I was in science, and I, if you're studying science, you don't have that many options in university exam when you enter after high school. That you kind of have to follow the path if you've chosen uh, science. So I had to, I had to choose engineering, math, and, or I had to very be radical and courageous and say that I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to switch the language, or I want to just be go to art school. But of course, as you can imagine, I wasn't that. I wasn't given that freedom to me, I and mean, that would be a shock for my parents. I wouldn't want to disappoint them, and I wasn't that courageous enough to say that. So I was just, I accepted, and I was saying, okay, I'll just. Do my best, maybe if I can study pharmacy, pharmacy, pharmaceutical. Yeah, pharmaceutical, because the idea in Turkey that that uh, if you have a pharmacy and just a license of being a pharmacist, then you're kind of free to do whatever you want. You can rent your uh, uh, license to anybody, and they can run it for you, something like it, so that you're free. So my dad was like, "You can do that, and then do whatever you want." I was, it made sense to me. I was like, "Okay, I'll do," but my grades were wasn't high enough to get to pharmacist, pharmaceutical, pharmacist uh, actually, because yeah. I wanted to study in big cities like Ankara, mm -hmm. Istanbul, Izmir, mm -hmm. and it was enough for those cities. So I chose the closest one that, so that I can go to Istanbul, and that was metallurgy and materials engineering. Mm -hmm. So, but again, as I was, I started doing engineering, I, like I started doing theater too, so I knew that from the very beginning that I was going to keep doing that. But also, right after I graduated, you would, for example, you would suppose a person like me as so far, you would guess that maybe I'll start doing theater immediately or maybe I'll go to theater school. But instead, um, 
I was like, oh no, I have to make money. So the belief is that how are you going to make money, right? And I, oh, I, I'm still a smart person. I told my parents, which was a huge deal, or my family, that I don't want to do engineering, which was a big shock. And I was blamed that I am stupid. I'm like, don't know anything. I don't think about my parents' future. Like I'm responsible of their, you know, mm -hmm. or like you could go and start working in a company and provide some money and help support your sister while she is going to college. So you're not thinking about yeah, this is something you're expected to do expected to do in Turkey if you're an older sibling, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was blamed by all these things and like it's such a huge thing, but on the other hand, I'm so happy with just theater. Like I love that world because I've discovered myself there. That's the freedom for me. And I'm so happy doing that. So I chose a middle way. Uh, instead of doing a master in acting or something, I did a master in cultural studies. Because that was another area that I thought if I be in academia and do, I was also interested in social sciences too all the time. And I was thinking maybe social sciences and theater a little bit together, I can bring it up and maybe I can make my living being a researcher and that's, I love reading and you know, that's gonna be awesome for me. And so I chose cultural studies and that was a full English program in Istanbul. I still don't understand how I dared to do that because my English wasn't like this or at all, nothing like that. But I dared to do that and that whole master uh, education process was a, like a struggle for me and I wrote my thesis like which was like sweating and I was like I don't know, I know what to, how to do it. I want to express my feelings but academia is a world that you have to have a certain frame to express your feelings, you can't just write. I mean, of course, I didn't intend to write a journal. Like I, I think that not like that, but still, even though I did my best by expressing it in English, also like with my own like genuine thoughts. Still, when I was taken to my uh, advisor, he was like, "Oh God, this is a little bit far from academia language," and I was like, "Ah, what do you mean?" Like, mm -hmm. and that was a whole struggle for me. And during that time, I decided that no, this is not my thing. I. I was because I was thinking to do a PhD too, maybe one day. During that process, I wrote like theater-related thesis, but also I was so just, I was so sure that this is not my thing. I can't do a PhD. I can't sit in front of a table and just write and write and write. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to do that. So I um, actively decided to just do theater there, and that's how struggle started. So yeah, I just want to stop here because <laughs> I can keep talking. If you want to ask anything about so far, anything I said. No, I want to know if, like, since you went through the the process of realizing, okay, so I've been trying to do this, and I'm not fitting into that box, mm -hmm. and then you left that box, and then did you feel like there was a sense of, of failure, or... Of course. Yeah. Even though I was trusting myself a lot, and I see in theater that I'm creative, or people tell me, you know, appreciate me in that role. Oh, Ulgaz, yes, let's do it together. And you're so good at writing this. And can you write something? Oh, yeah, I can. Like, there was a different world. But as soon as I was back home, like a week visit, for example, like always it ended up with a fight with my mom. And like, she's accusing or she's saying that, you know, you're stupid or you're this and this. And like, she never understood me until very recently that now she's like, okay, you're happy, so you're really happy. Yes, I've been telling you since like past 10 years, like you don't believe me. Uh, I, I had the shame or blame or guilt still 
because yeah, I mean, even though my parents are not poorly middle class, but also yeah, they would appreciate a little bit more money. For example, when my sister goes, but it's not my you know, it should not be my responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. I accept it in my mind, and I'm totally confident when I'm in front of them. Like you know, this is something that I want to do to for my happiness for my life. Um, please, like, leave me alone, kind of thing. But as soon as I was back to my friends, like where I live with my friends, to my home, I would start immediately as soon as I enter from home. I would start crying and like crying that guilt in my day uh, inside. Like I was asking myself, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm really because I was also I had other other struggles in life too to make a living. Yes, mm-hmm. like of course I know I cannot make money from theater. So I was giving some private lessons to high school students like math and chemistry something or like some other part-time jobs, uh, like three part-time jobs at a time to be able to live in a big city like that. But also if I wouldn't be given that that guilt, that shame thing, I would be okay probably. But always I had that conflict in my mind. Maybe they are, maybe they are. Maybe I never totally grasped the idea that I am confident. I'm. I'm just, I'm an actor. I couldn't even say that I'm an actor, I'm a theater performer for a long time because I haven't studied theater too, like really in a school, in an institution. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, today I know that I don't lack information. I have a huge experience with really great people. Mm-hmm. and But that shame, that's kind of institu- institutionalized shame. You know, you, you didn't study because that's another, like that paper, especially in Turkey is so important I think mm-hmm. nobody cares about experience like if I would go and if I would go and start in a private school let's say that AS is a private school if I would try to go to Turkey and hey I've been doing theater and drama I work with adults and teenagers you know uh, I don't have a certificate or anything but I'm experienced and this is the work that I've done like if you want to see they would be still like um like why would he choose you but there is also a person graduate from blah blah art institute or you know they would value that even if you said doesn't have an experience that person or something mm-hmm. so it's always that kind of shame you know mm-hmm. it's shame by the family maybe they are right maybe they are right because I was struggling in my life too I never got a support from that in that way mm-hmm. but also from outside, from around me too. Maybe, yeah, I didn't really study the other, do I like something? Maybe I should go and study, but now I'm 20, 25 at the time. I mean, it's too late for me to go and, you know, mm-hmm. all that shame related. Mm-hmm. Then you were able to still do theater, right? Without yeah. having a piece of paper, like, unlike the jobs, and of course, it wouldn't bring you any money, but it, you didn't find a barrier. Yeah. To entering a group, right? Because you didn't go to school. Or? No, because the groups that I was having around that it was it was called alternative theaters. So it's uh, if you would go and audition for a state theater, then it's different because state theater actors are paid by state. And wow, they have a certain schedule. This is in Turkey. <laughs> yeah, and but it's not a good good um, good system actually that. There's a lot of censorship, for example, because you're a state actor. Oh, censorship. And are, are the plays that are, are... Selected by the, you know, state blah, blah people. And if you said, no, uh, individually, every institute, every state theater can choose their own, but according to some rules, of course. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a proposal to the big big guys, and if they reject it, then it's rejected. So for, for a long time, there wasn't any Kurdish issue-related plays or any political in any way. 
mm. or nothing like really maybe if there's a little you know battle of bread is like this epic theater and like a little bit related to communism and everything you can't like even put his like comedy plays or anything like that mm. it's I mean so it was it was like when you say it sounds amazing like state actors paid by state but in certain conditions and they're working like crazy they're like they don't have a you know it's so funny to me I don't know to have this to uh, even like hear that term sounds to me like no what yeah, they're using exactly. the theater that's like an old tactic that's still yeah. happening in Turkey wow yeah exactly. wow. Wow. but recently as far as I know that they closed the state theaters I read yesterday or two days ago which is like a huge thing and now all the secular people are like oh no they are banned they banned the state theaters they are all against art and everything uh, but I really appreciate that they closed it even though I don't know their purpose to close it, maybe they really try to banish art or everything. But I think state theaters were just like not helpful really in art community in mm-hmm. Turkey. So yeah, well, that's something I yeah. didn't even know existed. Because yeah. my original thought for this podcast was like, let's find out what the the motivation behind such a, a rigid system. Because mm-hmm. there's another. Uh, youth that you're going to hear on this episode that really struggled. He was born in the UK, he lived in the US, and then he his dad was Turkish, and so they moved to Turkey, and he mm-hmm. was entered into the Turkish school system, and he told me how difficult it was in comparison to even the UK, which yeah. was surprising to me. So I came here initially, you know, because we wanted to get married with my partner, and he's from here, he's from Montana. But you met in Turkey. Yeah, we met in Turkey in that theater residency, beautiful and everything. Um. But also... Uh, the reason, first reason we were totally broke and we didn't have a place to live and a job and that was an easy way he had a house there that he bought years ago, he's still paying but it's like a one, you know, something mm-hmm. so he had a renter there and the renter was out and so we were like, okay, we have a home and he could work with his dad so we could have money and blah, blah, but also like thinking about having a family and everything, to me like I never wanted to do bath in the room. okay uh, but also we wanted to, um, I couldn't really imagine when I, before even I met him, how I would raise my, how would I send my kid to these schools and mm-hmm. in Turkey you don't have a homeschooling option. Is it illegal? It, 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 yeah, I mean there's nothing like that, I mean you can't really, you have to send your kid to school mm-hmm. at the age of six or something. Would you face any criminal prosecution if you didn't? I'm sure, yeah. Okay. I don't know how they... Uh, designated or how they come up with that, but I know that it's obligatory because state uses it. It's just all the, I think Althusser's one of his concepts that um, like state using uh, state's apparatuses to use to impose ideology in something. School is one of them. Mm-hmm. So in school, when you're going to school in Turkey now, any regular public school, you're uh, you know. You become, you grow up from there a Sunni, Sunni, which is like a religious sect that the most of the Turkish population is. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunni, uh, mostly white, and by white I mean actually like the privileged, not Kurdish, not any other nation, mm-hmm. uh, but really like just like secular and everything. Um, and um, nationalist in a way, even though they don't accept that they're nationalist. Mm. It's a national system, but it is. And basically, you just learn how the other pe- other other people outside of Turkey are just planning to. Since the, in the history lessons, 
they've been planning to capture our lands and just like because it's so important, we have a great country, we are a great nation, the Turks are just honorable people, we never do wrong, those kind of things. So you just see one, one perspective of the story or the, all the historical events. And so you believe that. I'm a military kid. I grew up in the environment, so I'm knowing that, yes, and I remember like I had tears in those nationalist holiday, you know, nationalist holiday that, you know, like the foundation of Turkish Republic the day that the celebrators are like, But when I hear heard the founder of Turkish Republic's voice in the recording, like Atatürk is just like it was such a thing for me. But that's the thing, it's it's so sick to me now. And one a huge part of my family is still in that world. Mm. And I'm so like done with that and now I'm kind of happily grasping that identity that I've I've been given by like calm and like doesn't talk then I just want to don't, don't want to talk mm-hmm. I did a couple of times but politically we are so different now mm-hmm. that I think they're really in some cases uh, Islamophobic and in some cases racist some cases uh, not open-minded and ignorant but that ignorant also weirdly gives that kind of a confidence that I don't I, I'm like shocked and like seeing that not just my family but it's like a big section in like secular Turkish people in Turkey, I think in that way, they mm. are like that. It's just in Izmir, they are mostly in Izmir right now. Mm. It's just that kind of thing, you know, like we know more and better than everybody. That's the nation that's been built in those schools, basically. Mm. And if you're outside of that, you know, like if you're Kurdish, if, you, if you're from East and you have an accent, that's kind of like kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. in, even in the job applications, you, you're you not the first, you're not going to be picked up in the first round, at least. Mm. Um, so, yeah. do you, now having left that, and seeing that it's it's obviously going to be a while before there's some sort of yeah. freedom coming to Turkey, yeah. and you're now working in Montana at yeah. this Agile Learning Center, you mentioned yesterday, you thought that when you go back to Turkey, maybe you can introduce some of these self-directed seats. How do you see that being possible with that yeah. type of regime, really, is what's I going on? I have no idea, but I also, since I um, started learning about Agile Learning Centers from my sister-in-law, she was the one who founded it in New York, and I was hearing from her. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot, and I know that there are some Montessori schools, kind of like alternative ways that they people, there are some some in Turkey, as far as I've heard, um, but yesterday it was the first time I just I um, took a picture of these three books, Free to Learn and blah blah, and Connected Parent and one other one, and posted it on Instagram with a Turkish, um, the paragraph in Turkish, what we have been doing here, and like offering those books as a reading, and like, this is so cool, you know, if you're interested, and blah blah. And there were a lot of comments underneath, like we are, like we can't wait to hear more, like mm-hmm. how, when are you coming? On? Like those kind of things make me like, oh yeah, people. I mean, there's a demand actually. Yes. Today's parents they want to give the best thing to their kids, and there are. I'm not alone in that way. There's still minority, but there are a lot of people like me that want to change, that want to bring peace in, in Turkey, and that um, I miss that community a lot, for example, and uh, I know that it will be appreciated so but I need to especially this week it was so intense for me mm-hmm. I need to first like go home and like take a deep breath and look mm-hmm. at my nose and I want to write a blog post for example if I can write or talk really in front of a video and maybe make a video or this mm-hmm. and that 
for example, I'm thinking to visit the theater residency uh, that I, I was in Turkey in August, and that's a, that's kind of an environment to be the community of people. I'm mm -hmm. thinking to you know if I'm gonna call out one night uh, after dinner because it's a community dinner to every, everybody eats all together, probably hundred people. If I'm gonna call out, I'm sure there will be people who would like to hear. And I'm thinking to, for example, now I wasn't thinking to go and visit necessarily. I was like, ah, oh, maybe, but it's kind of far from my route. But I really want to go and now, now, and because I see that people want to hear it, and it's mm -hmm. all related to our teaching, our theater training too. It's so much like agile learning, you know, self-directed learning or whatever. It's so much you can adapt it to anything you do mm -hmm. in any world, especially the art. Mm -hmm. Art needs that kind of a freedom, you know, free learning environment, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it resonates a lot with this. So I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to share it when I go. That's so exciting. And yeah. Now, that's like why we all are coming to these types of spaces to meet other people that can be supportive. Because now maybe there would be ways that you know we can yeah. work together. The people, other people here can yeah. support you in that. You know, yeah. in some way to like even organizing maybe next summer there is something you mm -hmm. can you know we can totally tell them that they want to come agile festival and like make a workshop like a mm -hmm. week or something like mm -hmm. this one they would love that mm -hmm. yeah. i mean i would love to organize it but of course i need support because i'm so new to this world mm -hmm. that way yeah well yeah. the last question that i always end with is what does community mean to you you, you mentioned the community you yeah. want to bring this back to in turkey so what does that word mean to you i guess i mean Community is, yeah. For example, I complain a lot in, when I'm in Montana too that whatever I'm like passionate about, I tell my husband eventually, like I need community. You know, the thing I need is community. Is uh, for example, I'm a person I like spending time by myself. I'm so good at like try like finding things that it would inspire me. It's great, and I'm like motivated, but. I think community comes there when you need, when you just start failing there, like uh, with the, or you're unmotivated right after that, or you're thinking, you're doubting your idea. Their community just, you need the community to support you there, or like say, hey, that was a great idea actually, wait a minute, or we can do it together. And do you think so? Yeah, let's do it. Like that kind of a mindset, or in any, in any world, like an idea of starting an ALC or any theater project that like I want to do outside of, you know, um, I want to start because I like challenging things too in that way. In theater too, I, I'm not interested in just grabbing a text and try to memorize the dialogues or something. For me, try to put stories that, that affect me or novels that like touched me to tell those stories, how to adapt them on stage as an actor, that is more interesting to me. And mm -hmm. at that time, since it's a challenging thing, it's a different world in theater. Mm -hmm. If I don't have that community around me, I, I it's so hard to bring that discipline again by myself, just being myself. So in Turkey, I had that people. That's why nothing was difficult. Like you know, you have the similar people like around you, so you're always building up yourself. Like that's the world, I guess, word right? Building up, mm -hmm. just like yeah, no, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Kind of feeling, I think. Mm -hmm. So in community in that day, maybe school environment too, even though school in education why it wasn't education wise wasn't the perfect space in Turkey. You know, that was my second family. My friends were they were my second family. Mm -hmm. Maybe first family in most cases. Mm -hmm. So when I was away from that when I got separated and mostly 
not just cult, not culture or something, because I've, I've lived in Germany or some other places not that long, but three months, four months, but always with a community of people like that around me. Mm-hmm. I never felt that I was in a different country, mm-hmm. even though I couldn't speak German very fluent or like in French or something. Mm-hmm. I've never felt alone. I've never felt like I'm in a different place that I don't belong. Mm-hmm. But in Helena, in that way, in a small town like that, I feel so, so often I feel alone mm-hmm. because I don't have that community around me. Mm-hmm. Other than that, actually, culture-wise, it's more similar. I'm more used to because we are so Americanized in Turkey in that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I felt like I know, I mean, I can speak English I wouldn't be able to, I wasn't able to speak in German when I was in Germany or, you know, that like some in a more, or I have a huge family of my husband's family. They are great people to me, but it's not the same. It's, mm. yeah. it's that, that kind of friend family exactly feeling around you. Yeah. yeah, like feeling homely, you know, um, that coziness, that homeliness is so much related to community, mm-hmm. not to any place in the world. So yeah. that's why I feel like. Wherever I go, I would live anywhere, I guess, with a community of people like that with me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Me too. Thank you so much. Two fingers, you don't see it. Doing the tingling fingers, which means that, uh, what is that, like, woo woo? It's like, it's like yeah, snapping, right? It's back. basically a quiet version of snapping. Do you do snapping in the theater? No. Okay, that's like a thing here for spoken words. So if you go somewhere okay. and someone's doing spoken word, and you agree with what they're saying, you snap, oh, you snap right. to it. So I think the, the fingers must have evolved that to be a quiet version of snapping. Yeah, I also, I remember that in my last project in Europe, we were working with uh, some deaf artists too. So in sign language, this is, this is like, uh, like shaking hands is uh, like clap. Uh, so when I saw this, I kind of want to do this. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like it's the same thing, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. an agreement thing. Yeah, instead of clapping, yeah. this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, amazing so, thing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we press stop? Um, you know, it's like a gigantic topic, and I'm so passionate to talk, but now also I'm thinking about other offerings. There's an offering, there. and we've already been so, told. But, so. Yeah, I love that, and I'm so happy to talk to you even online, you know, anytime that. Yeah, I would love to keep that connection going. And if, if anyone ever hears this podcast and you are, are living in Turkey or you just are in general wanting to connect with Ilgas, you can communicate through the unifiedthreads.com website and I'll make sure to put you in touch with her too. So we would love to like continue to, to build this support. I don't think it's the same as being in person, like what you're saying, mm-hmm. living in Montana, you're yeah. not having in person, but like somehow we can still I can tell or Tiffany Toka is my whole name. That's, yeah. that's a quite long name. Yeah. And Icon, how do you, is it like with an I or an A? It's with an A, well, it's a Turkish name, but my dad picked it because it's a mix between my grandma and my grandpa. Ah. Like that, because my grandma's name is Icel, my grandpa's name is, my grandpa's name is Kumbe, so that's a mix. Okay. And 
but in England we just say I can, like I can do it. Like I've <laughs> long time of not bullying, but just jokes. <laughs> yeah, but so you were born in the U.S., right? Yeah. Okay. George Washington Hospital. So that's uh, and you've lived in the U.K. We're now here in what is? How do you say this town? Oren. Well, this is Oren, but I lived in Izmir. Okay. So, yeah. Which is formerly Smyrna. Yeah, it's Smyrna. Yeah. Been learning some history from your parents. <laughs> Which, by the way, can you say what your parents do for a profession? I think I can. My mum, I can't really explain my mum's job. She works for very big companies with fair trade stuff and not very one name company, one name job, but. She's looking at the, the rights of the people yeah, working in conditions. The how they sell and if companies buy buy it for the right price and from things like that all the way to other things as well. Like she she has a big spectrum as well and my dad has been in the restaurant business nearly his whole life and now he's going to sell chairs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your mom and I have had quite a lot of interesting conversations because she's seen so many parts of the industries in the world, yeah. so many facets, and it sounds like you guys have been on trips together quite a bit. I, I travel with my mom a lot, and I really like it. Like When I was little, even though I don't remember, I've been to so many places, which people only dream about going, but <laughs> which is... Just, I'm really happy about the, that experience, mm -hmm. just knowing that I've been to lots of different places. A couple that I can remember, like I've been to Africa quite a lot. I've, I really did like it, really amazing place as well, just very happy for the experience. Really. So, what was Africa like? I haven't been yet, it's on my list, well, hopefully. Lots of, I've had people, like after I came, I've come back from Africa, I've had people saying, Wow, it's really poor there. How does it feel living like no city, no nothing really like that? Well, I said first of all, it's not like that. You everywhere in the whole world will always have a big capital with big buildings and everything. It's just that, like, I the first time I went to Africa was I when I when I went to Ghana when I was in third grade. I, it was amazing journey soul and like I didn't understand it as much then but now I understand a bit more um, the country's also kind of adapted more to where it is and the heat as well like in England buildings are really close and everything's big as well but kind of because it's a bit colder here all the windows and everything's open and it's just because people live in and I, we, we were in a really big city, but everywhere else is also kind of not farm, but people just live in their own houses and everything's completely fine. And it's not like they hate it, they've lived there and it's not. And I, what I realized from like from other children's like children, which I made friends with back then, they said, We're happy, we're having fun, which is. And which is said that's all we need is what they said to me and um, like it is hotter there when I went it was really hot it was in the middle of summer but 
can't remember what it's going to Hotter than here. Yeah. So here it's like you were talking earlier, getting to 35, 40 yeah. Celsius, which for people that aren't familiar with Celsius, you double it and add 30 for Fahrenheit. Yeah. So if we're talking about 40 degrees Celsius, it's 110 Fahrenheit. Yep. And Izmir last year, um, this year it's been a bit cold. It's still boiling hot. It's just been a bit colder than last year. Like the heat hasn't come at the same time and it hasn't been as hot but still been warm. Izmir last year in the middle of the summer we we managed to see well feel fifty degrees. Wow. Celsius. That's hundred and thirty Fahrenheit. Wow. Thirty Fahrenheit, which is I we and my friend was here as well from England. I was bringing him over for a summer holiday to have uh, to hang out with him and we were, because we were going to come here, but we were stopping off in Izmir first. And underneath the air conditioning, we were just sweating as well. Oh, sweating yeah. underneath the air con. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine because last week it was, it was hot in Izmir. But your dad was saying that it's not been as hot since I've been here mm. as it was a week ago. So Yeah, it's, in a way it's cooled down. Like in his, It is around 40-ish. Even if it says like 37, Izmir is a very concrete, like very concrete city. Not much green, so it does absorb a lot of heat. Yeah. It only reflects it on the people, if yeah. that's the right term. Yeah. So, in all these places you've been, you're only just now a freshman, I think, in yeah, high school. Yeah, just, just starting. Going, starting into freshman year. So that's amazing, you have a lot more years of learning yeah. and seeing the world with your mom and also on your own. Yeah. But do you see a common thread of within those places you've been? This podcast, Yeah, like this podcast is about, it's called Unified Threads. So do you see anything that's amongst all the different places you've been that still is something we share in common? Well, it's a bit abstract, it just came to my head, but sort of time where lots of people, like I've seen like in Africa kind of lots of people fear that I've had children that have been against that and said no I'm not going to have time beat me I'm going to learn and do whatever I can as I as well I still can and um, which is kind of a big thing and in a way I've also seen it as people don't show it but time is kind of a big thing um, where lots of people like you only live once which is kind of a big thing like don't risk it all but have fun where you can and lots of people are just kind of in the borders like just in line trying to be regular with everyone else and well, not a fear but it's just kind of that thing that keeps like the like the, the thing that keeps pushing people like to the cliff <laughs> just which people don't know what to do sometimes and afraid of running out of time yeah every every now and then there's a bump which will make you fall mm -hmm. or have things like that happen so Africa is memorable for you any other memorable places you've been well I've been to a lot of Europe mm -hmm. like um, because we used to come to because we come to Turkey for, we used to always come to Turkey for our summer holidays a lot of and what we do now is instead of going by airplane we've been doing it for a long a while now 
I'm only 13, but it, like five years is a while, five, six years is a while for me. Um, we've come by car, which is really fun. We've like gone really quickly in three days, but still we, we have a family rule that we stop in every country, have a toilet break and have something to eat in a gas station or something, which is which even that is just fun because you always we've always met people on the way um and i've been to and we've even went through italy which was really fun i really liked italy we stopped in rome i couldn't see the Colosseum though but yeah um and like you kind of just i i've i've really seen kind of culture differences which is something i've seen a lot of which is cool <coughs> Yeah, we were speaking a little bit on the platform. Yeah. What was that? It's like a looking like an old raft. Well, not old, but that thing we swam to yesterday. Yeah. <coughs> what do you call yeah. that? Well, in Turkish, it's a duba, and it's just like a floating thing. And yeah. usually, it's just made out of plastic. Floor, but they wanted to make it out of wood. Yeah, it's cool that it's out of wood. Reminds me of a Tom Sawyer raft, but 2017 version. <laughs> So I was wondering, when we were talking out there, you asked me about Trump. You know, that's one of the things, yeah. as an American <laughs> traveling, everyone's, what's it like now that Trump has been elected? And I wondered if you've seen something from your perspective here in Turkey and then also from people you know in Europe that is seeming similar, or, you know, what do you see that's happening well, from your perspective? I don't use the internet a lot. I, I am on the internet, but I'm not a big person who always puts on social media and I'm crazy, but I do look and do things. But I have seen kind of globally that, I don't want to say Trump is kind of a dictator, but very, let's say, a bad person. As soon as he's come out, not just in America, let's say, bad people have come out, but kind of in in the whole world, like, these people who have, let's say, for us, is a bad idea, or kind of mean people have just come out of their house, mm -hmm. like, come out of their homes, and like, well, if he's doing it, I can go after him, and I, I kind of have immunity, mm. because I'm one of him, even in other places, which is, I can't remember which country, but I remember that... In Europe, one country had a very, I can't, I uh, had a very kind of Trump-like leader trying to vote for, trying to become um, president or something like that, and just people are coming out of their shells and have been a bit more open, but not in the best of ways, like, yeah, that's a kind of a thing. Yeah, so with all that happening, it seems like communities are developing in a lot of different ways so when you hear the word community what does it mean to you well lots of it's uh, something I've seen being in Europe even though Europe's very compact but just kind of the whole world that I've seen like to the places I've been to where you are really does have a difference on your community just the way people have from since like a, from a long time ago have let's say evolved to where they have where they are and how people get together and be let's say 
Um, in some places, they might be very warm and very nice to each other, but aren't the ni- just that's just a natural thing. In some places, you're only nice to the people who you want to be nice to, mm. or <laughs> which is different. And some places, um, you might be a very argumentative person, but you're still very close. Like in Turkey. Old, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but I've had so many people agree on it. Old women love gossip. It's <laughs> nuts. I've been, to, I've come back home and like twenty of my of my grandpa's grandma's friends are sitting and they're all just gossiping away, <laughs> and it's really funny. My grandma will say, "She did this and she's just so silly and she's she." She'll regret that she did that to me, and I, she come and that very person that she's talking about will come the next day, and she's like, oh, "My good friend," it's kind of, <laughs> which is one community in a way. But in England, um, people are very kind of, as well. Kind of every that happens everywhere in a way, kind of the gossiping, yeah, gossip, um, but just maybe not so warmly I mean here in this part of the world I feel like yeah. you can have an argument or maybe it isn't even an argument it sounds like an argument yeah, to me my god, <laughs> my god, my, when I tell something to my grandma every now and then my mum will say what don't say that it, stop, stop being mean to your grandma and I'm like I didn't say anything mean it's just the kind of the way you talk which even in, in English I won't say I'm, people say I'm very polite but in Turkish it does sound I do have to say there's that kind of alpha male kind of mm-hmm. talk that people have so yeah and another thing about community mm-hmm. I do think culture has a really big effect to it what do you mean by that? well how people get together or what people do usually mm-hmm um, you think that most people find people of their own culture to create a community with or to join a community or do you think it can be mixed or what do you think? Well, how the community gets together is one way. What the com- community does and just kind of what what they do as a community and what counts as a community for them and how they act as a community mm-hmm. in a way. Um like here, communities are just f- probably everyone's f- friends with each other, but you'll always have enemies and things around here. And I don't know, just people are more open. More open people will be in very good communities, as I've, as I've seen. And people are just very friendly everywhere. Like. Lots of places I've been to. Okay. <laughs> breakfast time the grandmother's calling mm. oh what did she say my uncle's my great uncle's here my grandma's brother ah uh, okay gotcha oh he's come to visit um it's fine I, I can yeah. go away yeah we'll go down he lives just around the corner which is the funny thing oh he does <laughs> so he's come over to say hello before yeah. we go back to Smyrna yeah. or Izmir because then you're going to the UK. Yeah, but we're going to come back here for a couple of days because uh, it's on the way as uh, well. We're going to go you're through driving. Istanbul. No, I, I think we're going to go up here, go to Greek, to go to a Greek island or something like that and go from Greece or we might go through Istanbul, but that might be hard. 
So you're gonna drive though, no matter yeah. what. You take yeah. Your car. Yeah. We're gonna go through, um, all through old Yugoslavia, if that's what it's called, like all those Croatia, Bulgaria, just like underneath. We've done it in two weeks, but we, we were kind of having a hol holiday. We're gonna do it. We're gonna go from here to England in one week. One week. Yeah. Via the Balkan route. Yeah, the Balkan route. Like we've done it in three days, like the whole journey. But the Balkan route might take around three days because we're gonna stop, maybe have a quick swim, and eat. Mm -hmm. Just I love the Balkans for some reason. Like Croatia is one of my favorite countries in the world. Just I don't know why it's just amazing there. Is there something there? that draws you? Is it the nature? Is it the people? Is it both? Yeah, both. Like, everything. Like, I, they have a great community, in a way. Because when we went, everywhere opens at, like, 6 in the morning and closes at night. But, which is pretty cool. So anyone who wakes up early can go, and mm -hmm. everyone kind of has a happy place, happy feeling. And I like Turkey, but I've had a rough time here, in a way, living here um, I can't I do I do um, say come to Turkey it's an amazing summer place it's very cheap compared to lots of other places very warm the beaches are really nice um, have to catch the right time though it's either really warm where you stay three or four hours in the water or it's <laughs> freezing cold. <laughs> like last night it was a bit oh chilly. God, it was but it was still and very that nice was warm. Like it's been freezing for like the last two weeks. Oh. Like literally you throw someone into the water, next time next next thing you realise they're walking on the water, it's that cold. <laughs> walking in the water. <clears throat> so funny. <clears throat> well anything else that you'd like to share about importance of community in your eyes? Well, um, well, I feel, and another thing about community, yeah. just not just community, but people as a society being together are kind of being kind of pulled back. Like people are nowadays a lot of people are living in fear. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just that people have not gotten smart like you've gotten smarter but to the point where if you when you look back you kind of look back in a weird way and you become silly do you like, mean like through history we learned so much about history or do you think it's more like the internet has internet caused information aid the world isn't isn't in the best place like i feel like people are too looking like i i am a person who does look into the future like i i do plan for the future not looking to the future, um, <laughs> plan for the future, because I, I want, for me, I want to do so many things, and I don't want, I don't want to not be able to do them, so I want to kind of plan, plan it, plan ahead a little bit, but I also still want it to be blurry, so I can just freestyle, freestyle, mm -hmm. in a way. Be in the moment, too. Yeah, be in the moment, and so many people are looking ahead, They've kind of gone worried, and people have gotten said, we have to do this, we have to do this. Like, I don't think, I feel like everyone should just kind of relax, soften their brains out, and just live life as it is. Stop thinking about, like, fix, like, people are fixing the problems and trying to move on like that at the same time. Like, a big thing, apart, I think, 
about the world is let's say we have amazing technology but kind of the first world and third world differences one second daddy okay, ready? <laughs> um, is that let's say one part of the world is really fit really high technology but let's say the other part of the world isn't and it's kind of hard for the whole world to move together to move as one mm-hmm. when there's that that difference gap I feel like if the whole world just smoothed it smoothed itself out so that everywhere was completely up to date everywhere's completely fine mm-hmm. and uh, everywhere ev- everywhere everyone everywhere was kind of equal in a way then we could move as a society or community <laughs> forwards in a better way thank you so much for sharing Thanks. I, I haven't been on I haven't been doing podcasts or anything for a while like I've, <laughs> I've been on TV and I did lots of rehearsing for that because I have this thing when I talk when I know I'm talking on a podcast I say like a lot of the oh, time well you know what it's being in the moment yeah we're making it and we have to eat breakfast so, yeah. <laughs> I know your father's calling for us in the Turkish voice yeah Thank you so much, Thanks so much to Ilgaz and ICANN for sharing your perspectives with us. If you're interested in learning more about the music you've been hearing in the background, that was actually recorded live at a SIMA event in Adurga in Yerlova, Turkey. It's a Sufi, Sufi tradition there. They were doing SIMA, which is a prayer, a dance that the whirling dervishes do, for 114 days, 24 hours a day. There always was at least one dancer and one musician on the floor. The dancer is the one they say is praying, but the musician also is giving an offering to the divine. Anyway, you'll hear some more from that experience in a later episode. But in the meantime, we wanted to send you off with a different type of tune. This one's coming from our friends Anna Galmoka and Taylor Greenshields. It's from their project Jazzy Robot, a new experiment that they're trying out. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Give us comments anytime at www.unifiedthreads.com. And you can also find Anna Galmoka and Taylor Greenshields online as the band Honey Monsoon. All right, here we go. Jazzy Robot, peace, love, namaste.
Jazzy Robot. We're 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 Jazzy Robot.